It's interesting that we don't miss something we never had, but we agonize to rid ourselves of something that may be of absolutely no use to us at all, simply because it has become part of our history. So the real question is, how can we honor history while simplifying the process of letting go? Hi, this is Adina here with today's episode of Courage to be Curious with Adina Tovell. We are talking all month long at Courage to be Curious about the theme of simplicity in our blogs, here on the podcast, in our Curiosity Crusaders program, and certainly in the inner workings of my head. And so today's episode is really going to focus on how can we find simplicity create simplicity in a chaotic world. So how many of you are feeling as though your world is a bit chaotic? My hand is way in the air. And it doesn't just have to do with what's happening in the news or in places that are far away. I really am coming to believe that we are kind of sitting in the impact of two years, two plus years now of a world that has just, I don't know, I think somewhat turned on its head, right? People being inside instead of outside, more technology in terms of how we connect rather than the human way. Many people have changed jobs. Many people have changed houses. Many people have discovered things about their spouses or the people that they lived with. Many people have changed friend groups, perhaps made new friend groups. There's just been an awful lot of activity that's gone on in the last two years. And not that these things would not normally happen anyway. People change jobs all of the time and people have new partners and new friends all of the time. Yet there is something that has occurred because much of the mental energy that we would have applied to these new things coming in was already drained to, I would call the reserve levels, sort of on the gas tank when things are getting to red. And if you're going to make moves or make changes or cope with losses, because there's been so many losses or with disturbing things on the news, you want to have at least some reserves of energy and mental space to deal with those things. Yet, I think I'm not alone in saying that for many of us, our reserves are in that red zone, or maybe they've even gotten to empty, hopefully not. So in today's episode, I really wanted to talk about how do we simplify our world, our, the world that we have control over, when things in the world around us is much more chaotic. And what it comes down to for me is I love this quote by Joshua Becker, and he says, minimalism isn't about removing the things you love. It's about removing the things that distract you from what you love. And I love that beautiful frame in that what would happen if we asked ourselves, how much do I love this? What if we removed things that kept us from feeling 
that love and connection, whether it's to a person, to a relationship, to a certain time of day, to an object that we have, what if we could remove the distractions and create more space for feeling the love toward that aspect? Because there's another quote that also rings in my head here from Zoe Kim that says, under the influence of clutter, we may underestimate how much time we are giving to less important stuff. And this really resonates with me because again, when we're not feeling drained, when we're not close to the red zone, when our mental and emotional taps have not already kind of run dry, we can handle a lot of new. We can handle new information. We can even handle difficult information. We can handle all kinds of things happening. But when we're tapped out, when we're in that, you know, kind of getting into the red zone, we don't really have the resources. And so in thinking about what Zoe says, do we need or do we even want mental energy going toward things that are really less important? Or do we want as much of the energy that we have available, however much that is, to be going to the things that are truly important and that we truly love. And so in today's episode, I wanna talk about what are some of the things we can simplify? What are some of the things that we have control over that we can now make more easeful? And what I've been asking myself this month, especially as I've been sitting every day with this in the Curiosity Crusaders is, okay, let's take one by one, all kinds of things. What can I simplify? So I'm just going to throw a few things out there and then we'll talk about you know, how we can get to that simplification and then some of the challenges that we might face. I've mentioned this one a lot only because I guess I feel proud of it, right? Simplifying the whole key issue. I'm somebody who never wanted to search for my keys. So I simplified and there is a hook right next to the door where I put my keys as soon as I walk in and I grab them as soon as I leave. I never stick them in a bag because that would mean that I would have no idea where they were if I switched bags or then I put them in a pocket instead of a bag. But habit and routine make things simpler. We do the same thing over and over again, the exact same way they become simpler and they demand less emotional and cognitive energy from us. Eating. I mean, I face this too. What are we going to make for dinner tonight? But in this day and age where there is just not a lot of spare space for creativity, most evenings for me, or even if it's for lunch or for breakfast, I just want a fixed menu you know what, what really is wrong? I remember as a kid, I ate peanut butter and jelly every single day. Why can't we just eat peanut butter and jelly every day for lunch again, or whatever our adult equivalent of that is, so that we don't have to keep figuring it out. So that for me is, can we, how can we simplify eating by making a menu, making a fixed shopping list, taking that whole process down from something we have to think about to something we can just make rote and mechanical? What about how to get a good night's sleep? There, I think, is absolutely nothing more important when we're feeling taxed than ensuring that we get a good night's sleep. And the thing that's kind of cool is that it's almost like 
you know, when you had a child, if like, when you had a baby, if you had that, or if you had a pet, your pet would know, like if you go to get the leash, if you have a dog, that it's getting ready to be time to go outside, right? And they start to prepare and get all excited. Or there'd be things like for kids when they're getting, if they get to go pick out books, they know they're getting ready for bedtime. And it starts to signal all these systems in the body that says, oh, right, this is the thing we're about to do. And as adults, somehow or another, we've, many of us have lost sight of that. And we don't get good sleep because our body has not actually been signaled to prepare for sleep. I can feel a dramatic difference between the days that I follow my pre-bedtime ritual and the days that I might squeeze in a little extra work, work late, and then lie in bed and can't fall asleep. Or I fall asleep like a lead weight falling to the bottom of the ocean, but then wake up in the middle of the night. Or if I've eaten too late, or if I've taken a hot shower versus not taking a hot shower, right? There's things that we can do in ritual form. We do it the same way every time. And then it just takes the thought process out of it. What am I supposed to do? How am I gonna get a good night's sleep again? We no longer have to think about all of that. We can simplify it. And so there's so much good information out there, you know, shut down the screens, take that bath or that hot shower, journal before bed, do prayer before bed, get into certain clothes, don't let things into your bedroom. You know, there's my wonderful colleague, Adrienne Cotton from Alexandria Wellness teaches entire programs to corporations on this, how we can get better sleep. And a lot of it focuses on develop the right routine, make it simpler. Clothing. Could we simplify our clothing by simply just choosing the outfits at the beginning of the week? Or as some people have done, making sure we always have the same thing to wear, the same kind of thing. If you like it, buy five of them, wear one every day and be done with it. I do have a colleague who wears black and white. Top, the top may vary between black and white and the bottom might vary between black and white, but almost every day. Another colleague, when they were going through an illness that always wore the same kind of shirt and the same kind of pants, just because it wasn't worth the mental energy to figure out what to wear anymore. And what about our schedule? Making that as simple as we can. So really the invitation is to look at these different aspects of our lives and say, how can we simplify by simply putting them into a routine and sticking to it and saying, this isn't the moment for creativity in that aspect of my life. This isn't the moment to have to worry about what to put together for dinner or any of those things. This is the moment just to have a plan and follow the plan because my reserve energy is in the red zone and I don't need to think about this. It's just not important enough. Then we move to the aspect of the things we have. I'm currently right now setting up a new space in my world, a new physical space. And I'm very aware of this intense need to keep it as sparse and simple as possible. My world feels very full and I want a space that is gonna reflect back simplicity, elegance, and ease. Yet it's much easier to not put something in than it is to get rid of things. And it's interesting. Here's what I've been thinking about. 
it's interesting that we don't miss something that we never had, but we agonize to rid ourselves of something that may be of absolutely no use to us anymore, simply because it has become part of our history. So the real question we need to ask ourselves is how can we honor this history while simplifying the process of letting go? And so it's easier to set up my space that has nothing in it and just choose to put less. What about spaces that are already filled with things? How do we let go of them? My daughters and I had a very interesting ritual when they were young because I had heard from many friends about just like boxes and boxes of they had of every picture their child had ever drawn or every school project they had ever made. And I knew I didn't want my house filled with that. And yet it was really important for me to keep treasures from their childhood too. So we created a ritual, some of you have heard me talk about this before, of keeping boxes. And we created keeping boxes. Each one got a keeping box and they got to decide what went in there. But when the keeping box was full, they needed to go in and they needed to get rid of it, rid of something and make room for the new things. And here's what I learned from watching my daughters manage their keeping boxes. They would literally take everything out of the box and they would put it all over the floor. And then they would go by one by one through each piece. And they would kind of like pick it up and say, how does this feel? How attached do I feel to this right now? And they literally asked themselves and they got a response, right? They just, their body sort of said, yeah, no, that was nice, but it doesn't feel so important anymore. And then other things would pop out and say, no, this still feels really meaningful to me. And they would put that back in the box. And I was fascinated at how they didn't struggle over it. They just let the process happen. And so as we're going through things, let's keep in mind that minimalism and ridding ourselves of things is not about discarding the things that we love. It's about removing the things that distract us from what we love. And so whatever space we're looking to clear, can we lay everything out? Can we pretend that we're children again? Can we lift each one up and say, does this make my whole body sort of say yes? Or is this like, you know, that was kind of cool, but maybe I don't need it for another 20 years in the event that I might want to look at it or read it or touch it again in some future time, or my third grandchild twice removed might want to as well. So, you know, I invite you to practice what my kids seem to be able to do so easily and naturally. And something we're going to be talking about later this month in the Crusaders, Curiosity Crusaders, is going to be the simplicity of our thoughts and our words. Sometimes our thoughts can get pretty complicated. I know mine can. Stories start going. The analysis starts rolling. 20 different perspectives or thoughts about the same thing. And what I guess I've realized over time is that 
there's no right or wrong choices or right or wrong thoughts. There's choices and thoughts that we feel good about, that we feel like come from the, our soul, but the yes to them or the choice about them just feels good in the body, feels good in our hearts. And other ones that leave us feeling ambivalent or feeling like we're supposed to, or we should. And I wonder if we could simplify by saying, I'm gonna go with what feels good. And I'm gonna trust that if something turns out in a way that I didn't expect, that I will have the resources to be able to face that thing and make the next decision, take the next step. Because just because something didn't turn out the way we wanted it to, didn't mean it didn't turn out for the best. So with simplicity, let's take this time, find yourself some journal space, some meditation space. If your world is feeling at all chaotic and sit and ask yourself, what am I prepared to let go of? Allow me to be in the letting go space for the purpose of simplifying my life. That's my invitation. And if you want to explore that, come check out the Curiosity Crusaders, curiositycrusaders.com, where we take moments every single day to pause and separate from what we're doing, to reflect on questions such as these, and strengthen that connection back into ourselves. Thank you for joining me. And more information about Courage to be Curious can always be found at couragetobecurious.com.